Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs and loudest praise And teach me some melodious song Song by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy about being in a relationship. Do you want to sit this Like, no, I'm good. Being in a relationship, I don't know, we can go marriage or dating or whatnot as a Christian with a non-Christian. And I've heard you use the term like missional dating, kind of jokingly. But... As a person who's single, I guess my question would be, is it flat out wrong for me as a guy, and you can talk to me, <clears throat> to date somebody who is not a Christian? I know it's probably not smart, but is it wrong? And I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, there's a, there's a million ways we can talk about it, but we want to obviously talk about the guy's perspective being that we're men. Um, and, uh, that's that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's, <laughs> let's start in generalities and we can maybe talk From about there. specifics. Yeah. Later on. Get started. We're good. Yeah. But so your first question was, is it, is it wrong to date somebody? If you're a Christian, is it wrong to date somebody who's not a Christian? Is that, I mean, that's the heart of, I would say that's not the right question to ask. There are difficulties whenever you are exploring dating relationships. There are difficulties if you, you have to uh, figure out the, the background of the person that you're dating and know that there's always going to be conflicts. There's conflicts that arise because of the way they were brought up versus the way you were brought up. There's conflicts that arise about the principles that you hold as a Christian or as an American or, you know, whatever, however you choose to define yourself in contrast to the principles they might hold, especially if they're from another country or another culture, including a culture that's not a Christian culture. Right. Is it fraught with difficulties? Yes. <laughs> dating is fraught with difficulties. <laughs> is dating fraught with difficulties? Yes. Yes, it really is. Marriage is fraught with difficulties for the same reason, because the whole time you're dating, you're going to be doing your best to put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And then you get married and you suddenly realize all the stuff that was hidden or, or comes out <laughs> later, you know, that they weren't willing to talk about up front. It's hugely, it's hugely difficult. So I think that when you consider what the New Testament teaches you, it teaches you to be cautious. It teaches you to be careful. Um, it teaches you that there are going to be difficulties. Um, and we can get to some of the specific scriptural references that I know people are going to start having in their, in their mind. But I come back to what uh, Paul said about, about marriage, too, that he said it would be better for people if they didn't get married, right? 
it would be it would be preferable to him if they could just love God and be content yeah. and and remain single and not be tied down and encumbered by all that marriage brings. But that doesn't mean that marriage is wrong yeah. or unbiblical or uh, something that he actively spoke against. I think the I think the the point is you have to be mature and you, you have to be strong and you have to be independent in and of yourself so that you can handle the difficulties that there arise in a relationship um, in marriage. Those are my initial thoughts. Uh, I know that there's a lot more that has to be said, but James, what do you what are you thinking? Well, I was just thinking. Let's go to the verse that's commonly used to not be yoked. Together to with unbelievers, because I thought, you know, I haven't really looked at that for a while, and uh, it's the the King James version that uses the term "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And I was just kind of quickly perusing some of the other uh, versions, like the Message Bible says, "Don't become partners with those who reject God." How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership. It's war. Well, you know. That's pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. What that strikes me... As well, that's a couple different things that come to mind. But the first one is, so you're in a relationship with somebody. If you discover that there is some deep incompatibility between you, don't you have to be courageous to admit that and not just be subject to your emotions that are fleeting at best and think that you have to continue? Like, shouldn't we be strong enough to recognize that? No, that's that's just not compatible with what? Yeah. With the, with the truth, or with right. What's well, not? Sorry, I might sound stupid, but that verse is not compatible. Or no, I'm talking like two people that are in some kind of association, and I don't think that speaks specifically of of marriage in that verse. Although, what's the context, James? Is there? Well, it's talking about being a temple of the living God. Is really the context of the verse because it's interesting if you read down. Like now, I'm in the uh, New Living Testament where he says it this way, he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? But then he goes down to where uh, he's quoting from somewhere in the Old Testament. He says, as God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Well, if you if you try to pull that out into its own private interpretation, in its own private text, you're going to miss the Great Commission, where God said go. So it's like, is this is this saying, come out from among them and be separate? Don't go? For we know that the last thing that Jesus said to do was to go. And we know that even here, he said, I will live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God. And if we, as the incarnate Jesus, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, with Jesus living in us and the representation of Jesus Christ on the earth today, I don't think at all God wants us to be separate from them as far as living and dwelling among them. Right. 
It's talking about a personal call to righteousness. Yeah. But it could apply to a business relationship. If you're in business partnership with somebody that's a thief or a crook, you should, because of your own sense of principle and, and righteousness, you should disassociate, right? I mean, it could, couldn't you make that argument based on that verse? I think so. I, I think that people have taken these verses and turned it into, you know, like the holiness movement, for example. Touch yeah. not, taste not, you know. Don't don't smoke and drink and dance and don't go with girls that do, you know. And it turned into this thing, whereas, like, what's Christ doing throughout the earth today? I think he's wanting to seek and save the lost. I mean, I really believe that is the mission of God right now, is to seek and save the lost. Well, where are you going to seek them? Where they live. Where they date. Where they hang out. Where they shop you know it's going to be all those where they live it's going to be all those kinds of places and i don't think you can take this verse and apply that to that whether it's dating or talking to people or or whatever it is so you're giving permission for missionary dating then well that what could I, be what your, your call <laughs> with with what you said building on what you said about we should have our own personal ability to be able to decipher what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because we have our own sense of right and wrong with God. We have the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I think there would be something very, very powerful about being a Christ follower like Daniel, who wouldn't bend and wouldn't bow and wouldn't burn, you know, being that kind of a yes. person in every situation, whether it's hanging out with small groups of people that are unsaved or maybe even being able to go and to uh, talk with people on a, on a date. Hey, let's go out and have coffee or let's go out to a movie or let's, you know, let's go do something and to be able to talk and share stories. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about Evangelism is just simply listening to people's stories and watching for an opportunity to tell our stories. Mm -hmm. And as we do that, there's that interacting, that sharing of life that the Holy Spirit can work in a person's life. And I think it gets more complicated, however. And let's just talk as men now for a second. Girls, turn off the podcast. Just as men, I think... Say this in a good way. I think men sometimes get confused in the moment uh, about their spirituality and their purity and their integrity and their character and things like that. And faced with an attractive yes, woman. Yeah. And somebody that they really like. With an attractive woman or unattractive? <laughs> I think he's unattractive. Oh, with a, no, with an attractive, uh, yeah. yeah, not well, with unattractive women. Really, women <laughs> aren't listening. <laughs> we told you to turn it off. We warned you. We warned you. Just making sure. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Just yeah. testing to make sure you had it turned off. <laughs> but you know, I mean, seriously, the idea of. It does make it much harder because love's a beautiful thing and it feels so good. It feels so yeah. right. And God has wired us that every all of that would be really, really good. And it's like, you know, okay, we're holding hands. Okay, we're kissing. Okay, we're, hold it, Christ follower. You know, I mean, it's like, 
it's it makes it really really difficult. Mm-hmm. I I I am so thankful I'm not single. You know. Yeah. And, and and some of what what we've been taught about not having a relationship with someone who's a non-Christian is done sort of in a protective sense by your parents say as you're growing up and they're just they're trying to shepherd you and guard you from from danger with with that lingering or nagging sense of fear that bad company corrupts good character. And yeah. so they're trying to shield and protect. And I, I think that that's perfectly legitimate. As a parent, I, I have a strong urge to shield and protect my kids and to warn them and say it's better to not get involved than to face the risk, face the potential danger. But as they get older... To complete the process of maturation, you have to be willing to let them ex- be exposed yeah. to risk and let them stand uh, and strong on their own two feet and their own sense of principles. That's true. And I can tell you from experience, uh, having raised two daughters that lived through teenage them, with a dad who lived through teenage them and didn't kill anybody during that time... Yeah. When they're little and sweet, pour everything into them then. Because when they become teenagers, it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> it just does not work that that way. And so one of the things that we tried to do was we tried, as a dad, one of the things I did, and I think if you ask either one of my daughters, they would say this. They would tell you it without any coaching or prompting. I tried to, from the very beginning, to let them know, listen, your dad loves you unconditionally, and your dad thinks you're absolutely beautiful. And I wanted to ingrain that into them so that when they started becoming teenagers, the first boy to came up, come along and tell them they were beautiful or that he loved them would take my place. You know what I mean? I wanted to make it very plain to them from the very beginning, their own self-esteem, because I think... Uh, I think, and I know I'm speaking in really general terms here, and maybe that's bad, but speaking generally, I think there are a lot of girls that are hurt and develop issues and baggage along the way when they're little, and they grow up, and they it's hard for them to have a healthy relationship, and then I think that there are men who prey on that. Oh, that mm-hmm. doubt. You know, yes, who not, prey on that. Yeah. And, and as a as a Christian dad raising Christian kids, I wanted them to have a really healthy self esteem, so that they wouldn't be just bowled over by the first guy who told them they were beautiful or that that he loved them. And that that really went a long way. And I knew that I could also trust whether they were with a guy who was a church guy, or a guy from their school who wasn't a church guy. And I'll also tell you from experience. Sometimes the church guys are the worst in a praying sort of way. And I don't mean praying to God. <laughs> I mean <laughs> praying to God in a predatory <laughs> sense. Yeah. It's, it is interesting to see that sometimes the church guys were maybe some of the worst guys, whereas some of the guys who weren't church guys actually treated my girls with respect, treated their parents with respect. Yes. Yeah. 
I know we're kind of getting off a little bit, but to me, it's kind of a setting up. No, it's good. It's wisdom, though. It's wisdom. We're saying you can't trust that everything's going to be fine because someone says that they're a Christian. Yeah. yeah. And you can't assume that everything's going to be awful if somebody's not a Christian. Yeah. So you're in a dating situation with some guy who says, oh, it's totally cool. I'm a Christian. And you go in and you meet the parents. You know, hi, hi. What church you go to? Yeah, I go to the, this first church of the fridge air over here. And, you know, <laughs> church uh, of the fridge you, know, you know, you know, I, I, everything's good. And then, you know, two o'clock in the morning, you're wondering where the 11 o'clock curfew went or whatever. And your daughter comes in crying and there was problems, you know, yeah. it's no guarantee. It's no guarantee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I guess that's why I would say in general terms, we can't be so hard and fast because there is no guarantee. Yeah. Everything is, has an element of risk about it. Yeah. And you can't be sure. Yeah. So you either try and trust yeah. or you sh- shelter and isolate yeah. <laughs> and don't even attempt the risk in the first place. <laughs> yeah. um, but, the other, but the other side of it is if you discover that that other person has some deep incompatibility with you or something that you cannot agree with, you can't allow your emotions to keep you trapped in that situation. Yeah. You have to be courageous and strong enough to say, this has got to end now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't allow yourself to get into the place where you're compromising yes. for love. Yeah. Or lust. And that's easy to do. I know. It's easy. It's easier to say than to do. Isn't oh, it? yeah. That's yeah. Like, that could be the number one deal breaker for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been for me in my past. Yeah. Just, it's, I mean, when you're... Especially when you're a young person, like, I'm talking, like, teenagers, young 20s, you'll do anything for that girl that you love, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. A, and not going to church on Sunday is not even... Pretty simple decision to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's yeah. not, like, the big compromise. Yeah. You know, so to be able to stand firm and recognize when someone is making you compromise your ethics or your spirituality and being able to take yourself out of that equation or remain strong that's a hard hard thing to do but that's what we need to train younger people to do yeah yeah because the thing people overlook is you don't just suddenly by chance get yourself into a situation where you're faced with temptation that you can't withstand you so frog in the kettle yeah you've allowed yourself to get there little by little and i think of proverbs chapter five where it talks about a young man who ends up in a, a relationship with a, with an adulterous woman and the, but the story of proverbs five if you pick out the verses that lead up to that you realize he, he knocked on he was in her house because he knocked on her door and he knocked on her door because he chose to go to her street and he went to her street because he'd already made a bad decision to entertain that thought. And, you know, and that's, that's the, the process in our minds. We, we allow ourselves to cross small boundaries and give up on small principles, make small concessions until we find ourselves in a situation where we've compromised our principles. Yeah. And we think, how did we get there? Because we chose to compromise our principles mm-hmm. a long way back. Yeah. And once you've made little compromises... 
a big compromise doesn't seem as much of a compromise anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So true. That's with anything. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was just thinking about the process of addiction is very much like that. And I oh, think yeah. there are people that are addicted to love. They, yeah. they enjoy the rush of being in love and, you know, being in contact with someone and it's discovering new things and all that kind of stuff. But it's the, it's the very same process of you start with thinking about it and then you start with doing it a little bit once in a while. And then it eventually gets to the place where you're doing it daily till it gets to the place where you have to be doing it or you just don't feel normal anymore. You know, and that's a process, the frog in the kettle, yeah. you know, that you can, you can throw a frog in a boiling kettle of water and it'll jump out. But if you put it in a, a cold in water, a cold water and heat it up slowly, it won't even know until it's cooked, you know, and it's, it's the very same thing. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of another, uh, some, some verses where Paul is talking about, uh, you know, it came up with everybody was getting saved. And so women were saying, well, I am a believer and now my husband isn't and should I divorce him? And he was dealing with that situation. And he was saying that, no, it's better not to divorce him, uh, an unbeliever, because that person uh, may be won over to the Lord because of your behavior, because of your way of life, because of the way you serve and treat him and the family and stuff. So that's interesting after the fact. But how does that apply to someone who's dating? You would know that right off. And you could save yourself from that turmoil if you just made a blanket statement, I'm not dating anybody but a believer. Are you advocating that? I mean, is that what you, is that what you mean by I'm that? I'm just tossing questions out. Yeah. <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> I'm just podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, but saving yourself from potential turmoil is probably a good thing a good thing to do to be able to look ahead and and um and know but until you until you get to know somebody properly i know people like to use the word maybe you should court instead of date yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't think i'd ever get in a relationship courting i just courted courting courting courted let's court <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm not, not dating. I'm not dating. I will court you. <laughs> I'm not busy for the rest of the day. How about, the rest of the week, how about a court, court date? It sounds what, like a gesture or like some gesture. kind of medieval, yeah. like <laughs> court gesture, <laughs> fairies. But you, you <laughs> have to, guy. you have to get to know people, right? I mean, that's the point. You, you can't read a book by its cover necessarily. That's so. true, and you can't. You also can't just totally shield yourself from all harm yeah and make every you know there's no such thing as the perfect decision you know because it's like uh, you know what i'm not going to get into a compromising situation with an unbelieving person therefore i will not date anybody that is not a believer well you can still get into a compromising situation right away yeah with a person who is a believer because i mean passion and stuff are hotter you know yeah you know it's the same way. It's like, well, I know that there's a risk that if I ride a bicycle, I could crash and break my leg. So therefore, I'll never ride a bicycle. You know? Right. It's like you have to get to the place where you have to, if you're walking with the Lord every day and seeking the Lord every day, and your life intersects with someone that you like, someone that you're interested in, why, should, why shouldn't you let that intersection be a godly thing and see what it's all about? 
Yeah. What I think is important is you have to know who you are. You have to know yourself yes. mm-hmm. and have, have self-confidence and be able to be able to speak to whoever you're dating. I'm talking from my personal guy point of view. You have to set barriers out there. And usually if you're just vocal about it and say, and you don't have to, I'm just in my personal example, it's not even like, oh, I love Jesus, so I can't, you know, we can't have fun time later. You know, like just say, hey, you know, this is what I believe. This is what I, you know, if you like it, that's awesome. If you don't. But be principled and don't and and be be careful that you don't cross your own your own you compromise your own beliefs and be intentional. I, yeah, be intentional. Keep a clear head. And uh, Martin Luther taught how the original taught how to go against your conscience is a sin too. And we need to be sensitive to our own conscience that's mm-hmm. that's helping us make decisions and. And, and guide because that will be that will be the clearest warning to us that we have compromised our own principles is because our conscience will be pricked by by our decisions our actions and the potential danger as well and so if we can be honest with ourselves in that regard I think we can we can handle things maturely but if it's not easy if we've cultivated that in our life yeah because the Bible also talks about searing of our searing right. of our conscience where we don't even listen to our conscience or even sense True. and feel our, our conscience anymore and where that leads to. Yeah. But if we're cultivating a rich relationship with the Lord every day and a rich walk with him, he's going to, our lives are going to intersect with people all over the place and some are going to be of the opposite sex and there's a purpose and a plan in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know people, there's a lot of people that I, single people that I know that become, like, live their life, maybe it's the bar lifestyle where you go to the bar every weekend and you drink and you meet somebody every once in a while and you go home and, you know, you meet up with them or whatever and get in these relationships or bad situations that... I know we recognize as bad situations and compromising situations, but when that person gets saved or or develops a relationship with God and Jesus, that uh, their lifestyle doesn't automatically change. And I think there's a lot of people in the church, a lot of young people that want a relationship with Jesus or want a, a spiritual life, that are kind of in between where they have these two lives where they live that way. And they still go to church, and it's, I don't know, it, to be realistic about it, a lot of people are having premarital sex or in relationships with other Christian people, or, I don't know, I just think that we need to kind of realize that that's the, maybe, I don't want to say the norm, but close to it for a lot of young people. Well, I've been asked before whether, how important those sort of cultural things are, like, is is the fact that that monogamy is not the standard that our culture lives by? Does that does that then mean that we should rethink as a Christian our our approach to monogamy, sex or sex before marriage? I mean, how much do we give into that culture and accept it? And I I don't I don't have clear answers. Right. I don't have because, and I would only say it for this reason: the way that I think we understand that. 
I can be very definite about it, but I can't say that I have complete and full understanding of how what scripture means or how scriptures work. Some things seem clearer than others, and I'll, and I'll say it that way. And I don't think that we can give in to culture, because culture is not scripture, it's not the word, and we know that human nature can work against principles of God. So I look at a situation like that, and there are other areas of the world where maybe that's not the issue that they deal with, but there's some other aspect of the gospel or of righteousness that they struggle with more. And and I realize that the gospel is big enough and broad enough that it challenges all people to to come to better personal standards, more more righteousness, a better sense of holiness and purity in their lives. But getting there requires a lot of grace on the part of the people that are involved, the leaders that are teaching, the way that you communicate to somebody. It requires a lot of grace, a lot of patience, and a lot of love to see people make this slow shift in their life towards a relationship with God. And and you can't short-circuit that slow process. Because if you try too hard... You're going to, there's a lot of people that will just jump off the ship at that point. Yeah. If you yank the wheel too hard yeah. or if you demand too much of them because, because they have not come yet. The Holy Spirit has not drawn them to that point of conviction when they realize the mistake. So they realize what they're doing wrong and it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job, not ours. So we have yeah. to be very careful about how we approach that. Yeah. And what about... Uh, slow learners, you know, yeah, the people that have to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail to finally get to the place where, oh, I see what God is talking about there. Yeah. Like, let's say the hypothetical 20 year old guy who's hanging out like what you were saying, John works all week, works hard all week, hangs out at the bar and drinks with his friends, has a, you know. Uh, a local place that he goes is known, knows most of the people that are there. Then all of a sudden has this radical transformation in his life of accepting Jesus Christ. From a kingdom aspect, from a missional aspect, he should stay there and work with those people until he finds a person of peace and then follow, follow that through. But sometimes our, church societal norm would be like those verses I was reading earlier. You need to pull out of that situation and come to our singles group or find a singles group uh, to get involved with and don't hang out at bars anymore. You know, it's like, I don't, that's, Jesus didn't really do that. I don't see the new Testament church really doing that either in the book of acts, you know? So like, so, you know, so what do we tell that person? What do we tell that 20-year-old guy? You know, because also he's going to be brand new. And he's not going to understand all the nuances of reaping what you sow. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, he's not going to understand all those things. So he may mess up some and he may make some mistakes. But in the same way that the guy that's been walking with the Lord for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years has learned because the Holy Spirit has taught that person, he's going to learn. He's going to be taught. Yeah. Like you're 29, right, John? 
30. Not anymore. Oh, that's right. You had a birthday, 30 years old. But I've heard you, just in talking with you and sharing with you and stuff, you have discovered during your 20s some things. You know, you've been around and you know some things. And you have some strong convictions and stuff. And I could tell those are born out through experience. You know, and I don't know and I'm not asking you to say, but... I'm sure that you learned those. Some probably came, some of those lessons probably came easy. Some of them probably came hard. You know, there might have been some, some, you know, some failing and faltering. There might have been some stumbling there, you know, who, or maybe you just sailed through it. I don't know, you know, but uh, there's got, <laughs> I don't know, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, that's a good one. But to mentor people, you have to come alongside, and yeah. you have to you have to encourage, and it, it, you can't just lay down rules. Uh, see, I it's not we're not yeah. on a football team right. following a playbook. Yeah. I, you know, we can't use that sort of imagery in our lives because. Our, our lives are also unique that there is no playbook that, that yeah. gets us through yeah. and guarantees the victory. So you, you can't even have that mindset, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm saying. We have to have an approach more of just being there, being another comforter, yeah. you know, along, along the path and, and yeah. being able to share and have, have insight. I agree. And I don't, I don't think the answer, like you're saying, a guy, let's say just hypothetically a 20 year old guy who works all week and, you know, has his weekends at the bar or whatnot. Say you meet that guy and you're, you show him who God is and he wants to know, he comes to you and wants to know who God is. Immediately, I don't think the answer would be, okay, now you can't do any of this anymore. This, you can't, this place, we're not coming back ever again. Like, I don't think that's the answer. Um, And I think that's why discipleship and mentor to have a good discipleship program or a mentor, uh, not program, but just person mindset in your, in your life mindset. Or, I mean, just for me, it's important to have you or, you know, or somebody that I can be open and honest with and say, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. And to have a good, you know, person in your life that's not going to say, Oh, you can't do any of this. And it's just a bunch of rules makes yeah. that transition for that person's life easy. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a transition. Like I think people would think it would be where it's like, okay, now that you've made this decision in your life, we're going to change everything about you starting now. You know, no, that's yeah. not, that's yeah. not realistic. And it's not how it works. No matter what we think or thought in the past. Yeah. Except that, that I, with, but with another caveat, and isn't it always the way, like, mm-hmm. there's always an exception. And I would say there have been situations where I have counseled somebody, you need to stop hanging around with that group of people. Yeah. And you need to make it, a, you know, like a, a physical yeah. change in your life to correspond to the spiritual change, because otherwise they will, they will yeah. drag you down. And I'm, the only times I've used it are, I would say there's two examples where I've actually said that to people. One is gang culture. Like if you, if you get saved, you might need to remove yourself from that. Yeah. At least for a time to make yourself 
stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing would, I would say would be a drug culture too, or some kind of addiction problem. Yeah. The only yeah. people you know are also addicts or yeah. suppliers or, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that, so that I can see that there would be a warrant for, yeah. for doing that, for making it a drastic change in your life. But it's not always, again, I would not automatically assume that's what has to happen yeah. for a person. Right. So no, I agree. I, yeah, I'm blessed and cursed with seeing yeah. two sides yeah. to every argument. Yeah. Being no, it's devil's advocate. No, it's true. But it's, it, it just proves that every situation is different. You know, every scenario is going to be different. And that's why it's important to listen to the Holy Spirit and um, go with your conscience. You know, I think your conscience and the Holy Spirit will let you know what situation is right or wrong. You know, if you feel conviction for going to a bar every weekend because you're getting late every weekend and your risk of hurting somebody or hurting yourself is high, it's probably a good situation to get out of there or a good yeah good time to pull out yeah you know? um, but we can rest assured that god is is prompting somebody to make changes yeah as well right. and, and so what i want to do is tell that person that god loves you no matter what yeah you know no matter why you're doing that or not doing that god's love is the same you know and it's abundant so <clears throat> it's kind of trying to find a safe medium in that and but that doesn't I try not to get that confused, even personally, with, so that means it's okay, because God loves me no matter what, so yippee! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's a free ride! Yeah, yeah. Free pass! <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, don't yeah. use the grace of There's God. There's this best yeah, version of God yeah. out there for everybody, and I think we all need to try to tap into that, and God wants us to, I just, I really think there's a... a a version of each of us that God wants us to be or grow up to be or seek to be. So, yeah. Well, so if you've tuned into this podcast because you thought it would have the answer, you know, should you date an unbeliever or not? I think the only thing we've really established here, the rules are, you, it depends on you. <laughs> it's you know it yeah. could be it could be a really high risk situation for you depending on where you're at and how you're wired and who the people are or it could be a really really good growing experience for you and everybody that you're around as well it could be that god is putting together a long-term lifelong relationship uh but you won't know until you if your intersection if your life crosses at a predetermined, God-determined intersection with someone, you might need to walk down that road for a while. And it may be really short because you may immediately get the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Not good. Step away from the edge. Back away. And the Holy Spirit will be faithful to, to speak to you and to tell you that. Or it might be that you start seeing the hand of the Lord in your own life and in the life of the person that you're being with. And and on the relationship, but you're gonna it's you're gonna you're gonna have to realize that you're gonna reap what you sow. You have to realize that you have to be vigilant. You have to have some character. You have to have some integrity, and you have you know those are the things that you're gonna have to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. On the opposite of it, we've talked about dating. Now, what about marriage? Here's an example or hypothetical example. Say you're 
mar- there's a married couple and one except you know becomes a Christian and fully believes they need to go. I mean, they're just in it wholeheartedly. Like they believe they could be called the ministry of some sort or just it consumes their lives pretty much. You know, their relationship with God is throughout the day and they have, they're married to somebody that's, it doesn't fly with them. They don't like it. They don't. And so much to the point that they almost don't contone it on their spouse or say there's kids or something and they don't. I know of situations where I'm people sure have times. threatened divorce purely because somebody's become a Christian. It does happen. It does happen. Whether it's the, the man or the female. Yeah. Um, what are, what's the typical answer in those situations? Uh, there is no the typical, typical answer. The typical answer. <laughs> it's not a ty- yeah, it's no just, playbook on that one either. No, no playbook. <laughs> it's a sad situation and it's not typical. And so there isn't a typical answer. Uh, we are called individually to be responsible to the decisions that we've made, to the things that are set before us. So if you're married, you have a responsibility towards your spouse and your family that is not dependent upon how the other person acts or thinks. There is no 50-50 sharing. You are invested in that situation and you have to do what you have to do. And unfortunately, that's often the only thing you can counsel somebody. Hey, your husband is saying this or your wife is saying that, guess what? You still have to, you still have to love them. Mm. You still have, but you know, you, you, it's complicated. It's complicated because, you know, in a case like, you know, abuse, for example, physical abuse, do you say, well, you still have to love them unconditionally, no matter what? Of course not. You know, don't put yourself in a situation where there can be physical harm done to you because because it's your responsibility to submit or whatever. Yeah. I you know a, there's just no there's no typical answers, and you can't. But the, here's the point: you can't argue from those extreme examples and try and counteract some some standing. You have to have principles. You have to have uh, trust in God. You have to you have to know what you believe, and then you're able to navigate through the complexities of the situations we get ourselves into. That's where the case-by-case basis comes into. That's yeah. my fear. That's why dating to me as a single guy is so important. Because I don't... I mean, that's just... There's a lot of people in a situation, and it just... From the outside looking in, it sucks. Um, I used to, you brought up physical abuse. <laughs> I used to have this girlfriend that would, like, get really mad and hit me and I didn't know what to do like we were still boy we, I mean we got along great for the most part but she would get so mad and she would hit me like and I mean not like I mean it wouldn't draw blood or anything but it was enough to annoy me of course because nobody wants <laughs> to get hit and she would just overreact I mean once you know 99% of the time we're fine but she's gotten the string where she felt comfortable to hit me I was like that's not okay like you can't physically hurt like we have if we're gonna argue like we gotta go in public or something because i'm not gonna have you physically hurt me you know i once just on a side note i once had a pastor say him and his wife anytime they got in an argument they went to a public place i thought that was cool because they wouldn't right they wouldn't yell at each other there's a certain amount of control that self-control that comes from yeah. from that from society interesting. looking I, you know, yeah. You know, so anytime they got in a fight, they would immediately save it for Starbucks or something like that. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting, different. But anyways, so this girl <laughs> was hitting me, and I didn't know what to do or how to handle it. 
And I remember being like calling my dad and being like, I don't know what to do. You know, like this is not okay. But in the heat of the argument or passion, all rules went out the window, no matter what kind of, you know, concern you showed when you weren't fighting is when you're fighting, like, it's like, oh, whatever goes. And if, once you do something once, like we were talking about earlier, it's very easy to do it again. So I don't know if this is right or wrong. I got an awesome idea in my head that whenever she hit me, I was going to go straight for the fridge and pour whatever condiment I can find on her head. Because in my mind, it wasn't abuse. <laughs> so I'm like, take that catch it, man. <laughs> it happened about twice, and then never happened again. I, I thought you were a genius. <laughs> I did. I did. never you had a again. relationship genius. genius. Yeah. <laughs> relationship genius. That's right. I thought you were going to tell the story. So my dad said, the same way, son, that I taught you when you were a, a wee tyke, if you had a bully, what you did, you do the preemptive strike. Not Before they out. can hit you, you hit them. You go for the you go for the face or the necks. <laughs> That's really funny, John. And so, so I can tell you that was a really surprising story that ended up with. Yeah, I would go straight to the refrigerator and whatever or ketchup, ketchup or mustard was there. That's right. I poured it, it on her head. It worked. Genius. I'm sure everybody says it worked. <laughs> I never had her again. Like that was it. It was. I- I think this is the most, I think we need to pause for a second because this is the most uh, surprising, surprising <laughs> revelation in every, out of every podcast we've ever done. I think we need to mark this right now. This, this is a moment. <laughs> so this is a moment. Your spouse or significant other. Hurting them, <laughs> hurt them. Catch up. Yeah. Wow. It works. I'll put it in my book. <laughs> put your name on it. That's right. It's um, like a magic trick. <laughs> that's how I handle problems. I have a thought, but it's got nothing to do with mustard. Is that okay? <laughs> Did we have our moment? <laughs> okay, we can move on. Yeah. That was good. Let's move on. <laughs> no, and I, I want to. I wanted to share something that I that I think that that uh, Jody. My beautiful, loving wife knows I believe wholeheartedly, and I've actually convinced her of it too. And that I do not believe at all in the concept of soulmates for people. And I think it's more dangerous than it is uh, good in people's lives, because that's that can be the kind of thinking that gets you trapped in a situation that you don't want to get yourself out of, because yeah. you think this person is my soulmate. Yeah. If I don't. If I can't love this person or if, if I lose this one, I'll never find somebody else again. Yeah. And I have never agreed with that concept. I believe that God gives you opportunities and choices. And there are those intersections. And you can find people and you can evaluate, you know, am I compatible with this person? Is it somebody that I could choose to love? Yeah. And we all know that love has to be done daily. <coughs> On a basis of choice, you have to decide every morning, yeah. I love this person and I love him more because of our history and things yeah. that we've learned together and what we've gone through. I realize I love him more now than I did yeah. previously. And you choose over and over again to, uh, to love that you're the person that you're, that you're with. Yeah. And I, we have to be responsible to that, to that choice. And so that's why I say Jody's, uh, Jody knows this and I think she agrees with me. When we were meeting each other, 
were we destined to be together? No, we, we chose to be together. And it was hard because she lived in California and I lived in England. So we had a lot of obstacles to overcome. And we had to choose to fight for that and choose to pursue it. Um, and if we hadn't, could we have found somebody else? I, I actually believe I could. Yeah. <laughs> I believe, you know, there, there could be, like, I could have gone a different direction. I could have, yeah. uh, I could have responded to somebody else or, and she could have as well. She, yeah. and there were boys that were interested in her. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's all possible. But I would say this, having made the choice yeah. and having pursued a relationship together, we continue to choose day after day to strengthen and deepen our relationship, to make it better and better and to discover more about each other and, and to see the benefits in, in that. And, and now I couldn't imagine not being with her because of all that I would, all the stuff that I would have not learned (laughs) of all of the, of all of the strengthening that I wouldn't have received. It doesn't even seem possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's an interesting thought. We, I, I, I just don't believe that there's one person out there for everybody. I think there's a responsibility to the choices that we're presented with yeah. is, is all that we have to, yeah. to think about and consider. It's such a beautiful, beautiful and romantic ideal, but it can hurt a lot of relationships nonetheless. Yeah. So soulmates, no, <laughs> no such thing. Something that was made up by Hallmark. Yep. Greeting cards. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just have a bad joke in my head. <laughs> Go for it. This has been quite the podcast. So that would be like fundamentalist Mormons took that idea and ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> and ran and ran and ran. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll cut that out. I just watched a documentary on, like, those polygamous cities in Arizona. In Col- what's it called? Colorado City or Arizona City, one of them. And they're, like, towns with thousands of people that were polygamy is, like, the thing. Yeah. And, like, the mayor, the police chief, and it's, like, they have government programs and... It's like ninety percent polygamy. Like, yeah, it's sick. It's horrible. Yeah, well, but that's an interesting. If you look at polygamy in the Bible, you see that God's ideal was monogamy. God's plan was a woman <coughs> and a man would become one flesh. Yeah, and yet, even though that's right there at the very beginning of Genesis, what's the norm through the early part of the Bible? It's polygamy, and that's a weird thing. Here's God's standard. Yeah. But here's how people didn't, and it was one of those progressive revelation things where it, the 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 idea that polygamy was wrong had to slowly change in people, and it, it still persists to this day in some yeah. in some cultures. But but God is changing it, and at some various times He made it clearer than others, and it helped propel that into you know to be being the norm. But it's almost like these people never figured out what we're talking about, about dating. <laughs> they never figured the dating part out and just kept going. Yeah, but but I guess my point, too, is that, hey, God had this standard, and he expected people to live by it. But when they didn't, it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And because he's gracious. Yeah. And his, his purpose prevailed over the course of time and, and history. 
but it didn't have to be it didn't have to be done overnight Take and seal it, seal it for. 